This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Wednesday, October 23rd, 2019, and my guest is Nick Gray of Fandroid. Hi, Nick. How are you? I am doing excellent. Yourself? I'm great. We have to talk about Pixel today. Do we have to? Well, yes. I, I mean, it is the smartphone that everybody's clamoring to talk about these days. We have to talk about it because we have a lot to say. Because last week we talked about the Pixel 4 on the podcast with Daniel Bader, and I don't think we got it all out of our systems. At least I didn't. And I know that you and I collaborated quite a bit at the event since you lent me your tripod and stuff. And we both had a lot to say about it, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's... It's great and horrible at the same time. It's kind of like, you know, yes, absolutely. Let, let me actually go back to this thought that I keep reintroducing into the show that you probably know about as well, is that I always feel like my Pixel relationship, because I use Pixels pretty much as daily drivers, and before that, use Nexuses, Nexi as daily drivers for years is 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 a broken relationship um, like Stockholm syndrome. You know, my captors treat me well, it's, yep. so I am going to stick around because honestly, the 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 Pixel Four exemplifies this for me more than ever, ever, ever. I am madly in love with the camera. It is blowing my mind the more I dig into it, and at the same time, I am absolutely and utterly frustrated with the hardware and the selection and the choices they made. And also, you know, feeling that other people feel the same way. And also, you know, seeing that there's issues that are true issues that are being reported that we're going to cover, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of good about this device, but Google did drop the ball in a couple specific areas. And some of them shouldn't even be an issue at all, mainly related to software. I agree. So... I don't know how we should do this. I want to spend about probably a half hour, 40 minutes on this and then spend 20 minutes or so on, on other stuff because there is a lot of exciting other stuff today. Like OnePlus announced that the 70 Pro, which we thought wasn't coming to the US, is coming to the US with Timo. And not only that, but we thought that phone wasn't going to have a 5G version and it's coming with 5G to Timo. Mind blown. So we'll talk about that. But... um. Do you want to start with, I don't know, the design? Yeah, I mean, we could start with the hardware externally because I th I think the hardware externally is very interesting and probably one of... It's I'll the best one it, yet, my, I think. My best, my favorite Pixel device to date. I mean, yeah. I in my review, I clearly stated this phone can be perceived as ugly as hell, but I love it anyways. And I don't, I don't know why. I think it's that simplistic design especially with the matte finishes on the oso orange and clearly white because you have to get those names right uh that matte finish on the glass makes it feel like something we haven't felt in a long time since polycarbonate phones were the thing i agree i actually feel like for me again it's this good and bad it's this this 
duality that the Pixel 4 brings for pretty much everything. I love the back of the phone. I look the side of the phone. I love the phone with the screen turned off. I just love the design. It reminds me of HTC Desire phones, like the Desire Eye back in the day, or the Desire 816, exactly, the which Desire I thought I. was such a great phone when it came out. The 816 was like one of my favorite phones at the time it came out. And at the same time, as soon as you turn on that screen, it is ugly as sin, because not because the screen is bad, the screen is amazing. It's because of that horrible forehead and the disproportion, that unbalanced design that the Pixel 2 nailed and then the Pixel 3, 2 and 3, I shouldn't say the small two, but the 2XL, and then the 3, and then not the 3XL because of the bathtub at the top. But I feel like some pixels have nailed that symmetry, and this thing, is, the symmetry is killing me. It's killing me. I don't know. Yeah, I like, Nick, I can't deal. Compared to the Pixel 3, which had amazing symmetry, not the XL because that notch was out of control, mm. let's be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Pixel 3 really nailed it with the front-facing speakers on both sides and the even bezels on the top and the bottom. And this, it honestly, like it for me, it doesn't look ugly from the front. It just looks lopsided. And the second I start using the phone instead of just looking at yeah, it, it goes I, completely, away. I, I completely forget about it. And honestly, though, I would rather have a lopsided front and top bezel versus a notch even if it's a teardrop notch or you know a hole in the display yeah because when you start watching content on the display especially videos and then even playing games not having anything interrupt your screen is more important than how big your bezels are at the top and the bottom i agree but it For still me. bothers me because it's 2019 and yes the th four here are the four phones in my pocket this this on this little two three day trip that i'm taking basically home for two days um i have the pixel 3 xl in my main pocket because i still haven't gotten rid of it because we'll talk about why in a minute uh the pixel 4 in my other pocket and then the the side pockets my cargo pockets have a note 10 plus and a OnePlus 7t right good choices huh but here's the thing i use the note for five minutes and i'm like this is the future like it doesn't matter if you have the note 10 on a 10 plus it's just mostly a so, you know, they're the same thing yeah it's a matter of like how big your hands are and how much real estate you want but that that just looks like the future i had people double take me in line while i was um waiting to board my flight today and 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 i'm like it's a freaking note folks you've seen it it's like not rocket science but they were blown away by the thing and you don't get that with a pixel 4 it's just like boring you know yeah well and that's what i said in my note review i mean it, in my note review i clearly said it's like a phone that you see in sci-fi movies, the phone of the future. And it's that's amazing. the look that the, that the Note gives you. And yeah, the Pixel 4 gives you none of that. But to be fair to Google, that looks an aesthetic and that doesn't change the functionality of the phone really. And no. we all know that Google's about the experience rather than looks. Yeah, I agree. And they've, sacri was... they've sacrificed a lot of other things as well simply for the experience because they're, they're, they're simply saying hardware really doesn't matter. It's what the software has to offer. That's not forgivable, but that's what they say. And, you know, there's a lot of things. This is going to be a pattern we're going to be repeating throughout this, this podcast where there, it's not excusable. Like there's a lot of stuff that I feel that I'm not asking for Google to be leading and bleeding edge, okay? I'm not asking for Google to be Galaxy Note 10, right? Sci-fi phone. But I'm asking for it to be attractive. And the back, they nailed it. The sides with that that uh, anodized aluminum 
without antenna bands. They you nailed it. You don't see it. the antenna bands. It's, it's amazing. It's so good. And then they totally, they totally screw up the front. And even if it was symmetric, the bezels are huge. And I'm not talking about top and bottom. I'm talking about the side bezels. I'm like, well, this is a phone from 2017. I'm, I'm fine with this. I mean, the side bezels are smaller than an iPhone side bezels, though. Like which one? The 11 or the like 11 Pro? Like the new Pro? one, the 11 Pro. Oh, really? Well, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, they're, the, the iPhones are a little bit thicker. Again, I'm side, thinking but, note but here. I think we need to, we need to touch the, on the base of why that bezel is so big at the top, because it's not there for no reason at all. Right. I mean, the justification of some of the things that are up there might not be the best, but uh, so for those who don't know, the top bezel is ridiculously large because they have multiple cameras up front with an infrared sensor, an infrared camera, a uh, front-facing camera, uh, sensors for the Soli radar, which allows for gesture recognition, uh, and you get secure face unlock with all of that, kind of like what the iPhone has. So it's essentially what the iPhone has plus a radar sensor, and they just decided not to give it that tiny little you know, cat ear cutouts like the iPhone has for its notch. Yeah, That's what I call the iPhone uh cutouts but i mean it's yeah they they ca- probably could have done an iphone you know cut out for that top top notch but then they would have been told hey you're copying everything the iphone's doing especially with that square camera module on the back that would have been top notch <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry no oh, dad joke okay so now look seriously though i I don't want to get in solely just yet. I want to get the basics. So let's talk. We've talked about the design. I think we got the design down, right? We can move yep. on to maybe the display. Yeah. The display. I mean, between these two devices, you have two different sizes. One's a full HD plus and the other is quad HD plus. Uh, pretty much what we had last year, the sizes of those displays are slightly bigger. Is the different aspect now, ratio than last year? Uh, I think it's just a... It's 19 to taller. 9, right? It's nine, 19 and a half to 9. It's 19 to 9. 19 to 9, it yeah. It feels narrower to me. Like when I put it side by side with my Pixel 3 XL, it feels like the Pixel 4 XL is narrower. And uh, yet... Let me see. I've got my Pixel 3 right here versus the Pixel 4. So let's have a look at... GSM Arena is going to save us. They, they, honestly, the bodies of these phones are pretty much identical. Let me let me look at the display aspect ratio because I think it might be taller and that's why they made it narrower which makes uh, perfect it's, sense. It's actually it's actually a little bit wider than the Pixel 3 for the for the little one. No, but the 4XL versus 3XL. So it's 19 to 9 aspect ratio and I'm looking up the Pixel 3XL specs now. Because that's kind of bothering me. <laughs> I like I'm wondering it's now why things. is it narrower? It, it really is narrower. So the dis- I'm not I don't care about the small one because I don't have it. So uh, resolution fourteen forty by thirty forty. That's the nineteen point nine aspect ratio. That's the four XL. The three XL is fourteen forty by twenty nine sixty. Less tall. Eighteen and a half by nine aspect ratio. So there you get there you have it. So yeah, just slightly taller. Now in terms of width, the dimensions are seventy six point seven for the three XL. That's millimeters and 75.1. Yeah, I'm correct. It's narrower for the 4XL. And narrower phones are awesome. If you've used the OnePlus 7T, uh, you know. That phone is amazing. That's 20 to 9, right? So that's like full on 
almost all display. It's great. Or the new Xperia devices. Oh, yeah. Well, that's 21 to 9. <laughs> 21 to 9. Yeah. It takes it to a whole new level. It's amazing. All right. So the display to me is incredibly good. It's one of the best displays short of like going for Note 10. My only negative about this display is twofold. Number one, it's not bright enough yet again. It's slightly brighter than this 3XL, but not bright enough. Secondly, it's also HDR and all that good stuff. But there was HDR last year. The second thing, and, and we there's a whole news brouhaha going on about this, and I want to hear your take, is it's a 90 hertz display from time to time. From time to time. Yeah, so for those who don't know, it's a 90 hertz display, so it's capable of 90 frames per second. And the standard setting is to have it at 60 frames per second. When you buy the phone and turn it on, you then go into settings and you can turn on variable refresh rate, which will take it up to 90 at certain instances. Um, and then we've just found out it really only kicks in when brightness is above seven. Is it seventy-five percent? Nobody runs their Pixel Four XL at more than fifty. I've got it at maybe fifty-five, sixty percent brightness all the time. Yeah, I I never go above fifty unless I'm outside. And then, but I think it does kick in in certain instances. Like so, if you have a game that is running or can run at ninety frames per second, it will kick in and go into overdrive. Or if you scroll really fast. That. Or if you're, yeah, if you're scrolling a website or doing something like that, it kicks in or your Twitter feed or Instagram, things like that. Uh, honestly, I, I don't have any issues with it making those switches back and forth because this past week using the phone, I have noticed the phone looks amazing when you're going through content, you're scrolling your feed. And when you're doing that, that's when it's switching. And then honestly, what else do I need 90 frames per second for when it's displaying something that's not moving on the display? Because the OnePlus 7 Pro does it. Every other device should do it. Oh, because honestly, I, that's a waste of battery life. I Yes, but I don't agree with you. <laughs> say, say, say what you feel. Well, here's my issue. Okay, look, it's advertised as a 90 hertz display. I want 90 hertz. Now, I understand that if nothing's moving, you can set it down to 60. I'm fine with that. But right now, that's not what they're doing. I'm constantly noticing the switch between 60 and 90, and it's a pain. It doesn't happen consistently. It's visible. So you see the tearing when you scroll because it hasn't switched over to 90. It's a freaking disaster. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. It's so bad that I went in developer options and I pegged it to 90 hertz. And guess what? Oh, it's amazing. It's so it is so freaking amazing. It is just like using the OnePlus 7T. It is incredible. It is just wow. Like, the, try it. The difference is night and day. It's such a mess right now the way they've got it implemented. It's a complete disaster and nightmare. I, I wish it did just stuck with a 60 hertz display because because of the next thing we're going to talk about, which is battery life. But if they're going to go 90, just do not, at $799, entry price with 64 gigs of RAM, do not mess with me, Google. I want my 90 hertz all the time. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that was very confusing. They have the variable refresh rate under display settings, and then you have to go into, first off, enable developer settings by you know yes. going in and tapping the build number. What is it? Eight times? Time, eight times, who knows? Whatever they change it, it from device to device. And then you have to dig through a thousand and one developer settings to find <laughs> the, the Force yeah. 90. It's ridiculous. They should have had 
if you're going to do this and you're going to have the option in there in order to switch over to forcing 90 frames per second, put it under display settings. I know people are going to complain. As we said, we're going to get to battery life. They're going to complain about that because it will suck your battery more. But give people the option. Honestly, I'm not noticing a huge difference. It's there. It's a difference. How many days have you had it at Force 90? Most of the time. And uh, the big difference, I would say you lose about 5 to 10% battery life on a normal on a normal charge. It's a lot, right? But that's a lot, but and that's the Excel. Imagine that on the Baby Pixel yeah. which I'm using and the Baby Pixel would uh But but, I, but we're not at battery life yet. So this is going to be the dumpster fire that's coming. Like yeah. I'm warning you right now. Bring bring your bring your fire suits and your fire extinguishers because the fire is real. But the point is that at that point I don't care. Uh, this is my thing, Nick. I would rather have 90 hertz pegged on all the time if they can't do it right and do it so that it's 90 the moment there's motion and not 90 when you're still, then just forget it. I'm I'm willing to sacrifice that battery life because I have seen the future and the future is what OnePlus has brought us where it doesn't affect battery life. Well, it does, but it doesn't affect it enough that you care, right? So somebody can do it right. Google needs to do it right. Yeah. So they said there's a fix coming. Right. Yeah, they say a fix is coming, but you know, like everything else, you don't know how long we will have to wait and what that fix will actually do and what the experience is going to be afterwards. So, at this point, I mean, technically, the phone is still not launched yet, right? When's the official retail? I have launch no date? idea. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> we should so know this is that, because right? we don't care because we already have the phone. We have the device already. Um, We've had the device for a week, but it, it's coming within the next. I'm Googling we? it. I'm Googling it. <laughs> we we, we should be fired for, right now. I know. Launch date. <laughs> Retail we're launch. terrible people. Uh, oh my God, we're bad. Uh, 24th of October. That's tomorrow. Pre-order 15th of October and launch 24th, I think, maybe. Yeah, it says 24th everywhere. So, 24th. so by the time this podcast is published, it's going to be available. Correct. Hopefully you haven't pulled the trigger yet. You hear what we have to say first. Anyway, uh, look, the thing about the 90 hertz is it's, I'm nitpicking, I know. But here's the thing. It's like, it's like Samsung, right? That has on their phones Quad HD 2K displays on their flagships, like the S10 upper levels and the Note 10 upper levels. And then you look in the settings and by default it's set to 1080p. Now, I don't see the difference because I have bad eyes. Like, I don't see the resolution difference, I, but I see the frame rate difference. And so if you're going to give me a 90 hertz display, then run it at freaking 90 hertz, Google. So my question is, I, I totally get that point. My question is, though, like, is this kind of like a Tesla ludicrous mode? You know, if the, the, the vehicle can do these amazing things, but most people aren't going to do it and you're not going to do it for the majority of the time. So let's tone things down and give you some crazy 90 hertz refresh rates when you might notice it. And maybe it just their implementation isn't perfect and it could get better, as you said. You know, would you compare it to that or I think is you, you're something? something? Yeah, I think, I, look, I wouldn't call it that. I think there's a big difference um, in the sense that once you use a 90 hertz phone, that is already 
that has good performance to start with. And that's and maybe we can segue into a performance here because performance on this phone is baller. Whether you run at 60 or 90 doesn't, you know, makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And I'll and that's where the, the analogy for ludicrous comes in. And I want to comment on that in a sec. But I just can't bring up I cannot finish this ludicrous thought that that a comment on your thought without mentioning performance. This phone is finally the Google phone that runs very smoothly and very well. However, to really get that smoothness, for really feel like your touch response is, the lag is minimal on touch, you need to turn on 90 hertz all the time. And this is why, this is why OnePlus does it. Because OnePlus understands that you can't just optimize the software and have a fast processor. You really need that latency between what the display is doing and your finger is doing to be low. I wrote in my OnePlus 7T review on Geekspan that this is the first phone, the 7T, that kept up with my uh, crazy Gmail usage. Where I feel that every time I use Gmail on any Android phone, even the best Android phone, I always have moments in the UI where there's a slight pause and I have to kind of like slow down my thought process a little bit to wait for the the UI to catch up with me. And I did not experience this on the OnePlus 7T. And here's the magic. When I turn on 90 hertz, force it, on the Pixel 4, it's the same. I do not wait for the UI. It is incredible, Nick. I don't know how to explain it. It shouldn't be related to the refresh rate, but it is. Yeah, that's... I mean, so I and as I such, it is not ludicrous mode because ludicrous mode is literally ludicrous. It's literally yeah, to exactly. do launches and prove that your car is fast. You don't use ludicrous mode in everyday life. Well, and so, but so here's what I'm trying to get at, though. Like I, I've I've been trying to wrap my head around 90 hertz refresh rates since the Seven Pro came out, and whether or not it's something that we all need. Personally, for me, I do not see the difference, and this this. It's not to say that some people are just making it up or, you know, some people are blind and they can't see it. But honestly, everybody's eyes are a little bit different and people perceive things a little bit differently. Like some people can't tell the difference between 24 frames per second for like a film and 60 frames per second. And then other people do notice the difference between 90 hertz and 120 hertz. And so it comes down to the individual user as far as what they can perceive. And for me, it's never been a huge issue. And honestly, like display resolution has never been a huge issue. I'm not blind by any means, but it's not something that for me as my body can perceive has ever been an issue. So for me, it's hard for me to justify like say oh they didn't do it because of this it's it's something that's a non-issue for me so i actually don't don't think it's related to the refresh rate i'll tell you why because i feel the exact same way uh, this instant response is complete low latency and fantastic performance when i use any iphone that's a year or two or newer Right. And they don't have the 90 And they don't have, they have 60 hertz. No, so don't. I think what it is, it's a, it's a latency and lag of the UI versus my finger. And it's amplified when it's running at 60 hertz on an Android mm-hmm. phone for whatever reason. And it's amplified even further when it runs on the slower Android phone, which can't refresh at night. It's refreshing the screen at 60, yep. but the UI isn't running at 60. It's stuttering, right? So to me, it's, it's why... What I'm saying is a combination of a couple different variables. What is happening is on the OnePlus 7T and the Pixel 4 at 90 hertz, forced to 90 hertz, is that I think that the UI at some points refreshes faster than 60. And you feel it because it feels like your finger, the UI is following your finger and 
perfectly real time, kind of like the lag you get when you use a Apple Pencil versus a Surface Pen, you know? There's a difference then. The Apple is just so much less latent, right? And I think that's why this thing is a deal. But I want to, you know, maybe segue into this. I feel like this is a really fast, a really high performance phone. The big question is, will it remain that fast over time? Because typically pixels slow down pretty drastically over time. I I saw a slowdown in my Pixel 2, but honestly, I my have not noticed. My 3XL definitely slowed down. I, I haven't noticed a slowdown in my Pixel 3, and I, I do keep it fairly clean. Um, I, I haven't done a, a complete wipe in over eight or nine months. I did one, I think, like right after Christmas last year. But um, honestly, I, I notice it significantly on the Pixel 2, but not so much on the Pixel 3. And of course, you know, device to device, you can, you know, on the applications that you have installed make a difference as well. But I... I agree with you 100%. This phone feels a lot more performant than other Pixel devices have in the past, even though it doesn't have the same amount of RAM and fast storage that other devices have this year. And it doesn't have I, a 55 plus. Yeah, and honestly, I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I, me too. I think I think, again, people forget to realize that 90% of the people who are going to buy the Pixel aren't crazy gamers, aren't going to be doing side-by-side -side comparisons with other devices to see, is this the fastest phone I can buy? Most people don't care about that. It's still important, but the average user doesn't give a crap. I agree with you 100%. I, I actually don't think that I had any expectation this would be an 855 plus, and I'm perfectly happy with an 855. I am not perfectly happy with six gigs, only, not because it's affecting performance, I'm actually noticing that it's really helping. It's no longer like my Pixel 3 XL shutting down apps in the background in a similar use case scenario. So they solved that problem and I appreciate that and I'm happy with 6 gigs. My issue with the fact that it's only 6 gigs is purely a value issue. I feel mm -hmm. that... And we're going to talk about that value issue. It's the same with the 64 gigs of storage base. It's the same with the fact that it's no ultra wide. It's the same. It's basically the fact that this phone is lacking in terms of hardware compared to its contemporaries, even the iPhone. Um, and it's priced at at basically this this ludicrous price for what it is um but we'll get to that I, I just feel it's really fast and i'm kudos to google for finally giving us enough ram to work but here's the issue right the other issue is in addition to the the ram you know the fact that it's not competitive with ram is that in two or three years if somebody keeps this phone this long when it's at the end of its life it will suffer from that six gigs of RAM versus if it had eight gigs, it probably would suffer slightly less, right? We know that's going to happen. So I don't understand when it's the same with the 64 gig and then they remove the free storage, right? It's, it's like, yeah. it's like Google, what the hell? Like you're giving us, it's, it's completely this, 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 uh, we said it was good and bad the whole time. The whole pixel mm -hmm. four thing is, is this push pull of good and bad because like this, like, why do you put six gigs when you know the phone's going to last three years, up to three years in people's hands? And then why do you put yeah. 64 gigs when you don't offer free storage and there's no expansion? Ugh. So for there's so many issues on so many levels with this. I mean, the, as you mentioned, the six gigabytes of RAM is more than passable today. Compared to the Pixel 3, it's a 50% boost over the four gigabytes that the Pixel 3 had. And honestly, if unless you're putting something side by side and counting how many applications it can hold into memory before it starts dropping them, 
no one's going to know that this one has six versus eight on another device. Right. And, but as you said, over time, that does make a difference. And go- Google's the only one who does this, promising three years of software updates, well, uh, which means- Apple does too, pretty much, right? Isn't well, it two or three within, years? Yeah. With, within the Android space, because yeah, right. Right. iOS is completely different. It's you know the whole architecture thing, So and they've always had less RAM than Android devices. Well, they but have Google's six gigs off- on the iPhone 11 this year, so that's my yeah, point, right? It's like if they put six on gig par, on their right? super high-end, super efficient uh, OS, then we should be getting eight or 10 gigs on this Pixel. Yeah. But so like I, the, the RAM issue for me has always come down to, and for those who don't know, I've, I've been doing smartphone speed tests for a while, you know, opening up applications on both devices to see how they handle, how many apps they can hold in the memory. And I did one with the 7T versus the 7 Pro. And the 7T beat out the 7 Pro, eight gigabytes of RAM versus 12. It beat it out in RAM management. Interesting. Should, well, I think that possible. might be an Android 10 thing. Well, it could be an Android, but they are both running on Android 10. Wait, the OnePlus 7 Pro has received Android 10 now? It should have, yeah. I, I should update mine. <laughs> like, like a long time ago. <laughs> really? I yeah, thought you it should was, check for it an update. Nine. Okay, well, I have to look. Okay, yeah, no you mind. should check no for mind. an update. No, but the, so it, it, it comes down to software and how the software is optimizing for that memory, right? Right, right. And Google's, Google's saying, hey, we made Android. We should know how to optimize for that. But that being said, applications keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and taking up more resources. So two, three years down the line, the experience that you get with six gigabytes of RAM isn't going to be anywhere as close as what it's going to be with eight gigabytes of RAM. So not to say a, they should have made hardware to predict what's going to happen in three years, because most people are going to get rid of their device within three years, but they should give it some headroom. Here's the thing that I want to talk about. And we're going to talk about you later, but I want everybody to understand my position here is not that I have an issue with the lack of, well, the smaller amount of RAM that I'd like, the small amount of base storage that I'd like, and the lack of ultra-wide camera, which are the three hardware things we cannot change. This is not the issue. It's the price that's the issue. Mm-hmm. This phone, if it was $599, you could say, well, the, it's worse than the 7T at that price. Yes, but it's the Google experience. And then I'm willing to say, okay, but it's $7.99 for the small one. So no. Anyway, um, let's talk about battery life because I'm looking at like, we've been at it for half an hour. We still need to talk about the camera and the battery. <laughs> There's so, so much to talk about. I have so much to talk about. The battery is a dumpster fire. I think it's, ter- it's terrible. Um, considering the battery is 3,700 milliamp hours versus 3,430 on the Excel, last year's Excel was the three, it was 3430. And my battery life is slightly worse. Now, mind you, I've got pegged at 90 hertz, but even before I pegged it to 90 hertz, my battery life was slightly worse than my Pixel 3 XL with a more efficient processor. What is going on here? I think solely for one. Oh, um, right. It's running all the time. Solely for one. It's, you got a radar sensor that's running all the time saying, hey, is anything moving around the phone? I mean, that's going to pull in some of the battery. And I, this week, I'm actually going to experiment with turning solely off. I to might see turn it how, off, yeah. How things handle. I have the smaller Pixel. Well, I have both the Pixel well, 3 I was gonna say you have or both, Pixel 4 and the XL. Um, I've been mainly, I love small devices. So I've been using the baby Pixel. And it, it will give me 12 to 13 hours between charges. 2,800 so, milliamp hours is ridiculous. 
And honestly, like that, it makes me sad. So I'm this week. I'm looking at software optimizations that can happen in order to extend that. Well, battery you should turn life off since you don't 14. notice it. You should turn off this ninety hertz, hundred percent all yeah, the way. I, I did last and night. And turn off solely and see what happens. Um, I don't know. Look, I, I again, this is another thing. At this price point, I expect no compromise on one of the pillars of owning a phone or making a phone today, which is battery life. Everyone mm-hmm. through that lesson. Apple even went as far as remove with 3D, removing 3D touch to add a bigger battery this year and made the phones thicker. And they won because the f- iPhone battery life on the Pro is significantly better than it was on yep. the uh, uh, 10s last year. And so, you know, like, where is Google in this? Like, are they on their own planet? Pay- are they paying attention to what's going on out there? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what to say to that because... They've been doing the research there. They've been doing all the software work to make this phone incredible, even though they've missed the mark a little bit. But on the hardware side, just I I don't want to say I'm a spec junkie and want the best of the best all the time. But when the average phone comes with 37 to 4000 milliamp hour batteries these days, Right. You need you need to step up and meet the average. We're not as you said before, you we don't need a cutting edge bleeding edge device with all the best hardware that money can buy. We need an average phone. And an average phone these days is run of the mill. Give me 4000 milliamps, give me a large, you know, full HD or quad HD display, give me 8 gigabytes of RAM. That's the average. And Google's shooting below average with the Pixel 4. Yeah, it's just it's just disappointing. It's like we've been telling them for three years now. This is the third review year of the two, the three, and the four. Whether you pick the XL or not, in their own respective category, in their own respective size class, that they are lacking in battery life. Like, where the hell are you, Google? Are you listening? Like, we're not saying this for amusement. We're saying it because it's a real problem for real users that we review phones for. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what like, to say to that. I mean, they're just, it is what it is. It's like they live in their own world, like Google, like Apple does. But Apple at least is listening somehow and delivering. I mean, the fact that Apple went for an ultra-wide as the only other camera on their base phone shows that they're paying attention. But Google decided, this is my segue into the camera, Google decided that, hey, we're going to put a telephoto on there. Now, you're going to say, Miriam, don't be a hypocrite. You just posted on Instagram eight-time Zoom samples from the airplane you flew in today that show incredible performance on par with the P30 Pro, and it's true. But that's not the point. That's not what I wanted. That's not what users want. Users want all three cameras. Mm -hmm. And at that price point, absolutely should have all three cameras. When you can buy a phone for $200 less, a 7T, that has all three cameras. Now, they're not as good. But that's not the point. We expect Google to add the mojo with their software on top of kind of meh hardware. But if you're missing one of three cameras, you're failing, Google. And this is my problem. So two cameras is a miss. Yeah, I mean, Google had a couple choice words to say about it. On stage, they said verbatim, we think ultra-wide sensors or ultra-wide lenses are fun, Mm -hmm. but zoom is more important and then they've in i i've listened to another podcast where they did an interview and they talked about uh, how 
Yeah, I think it was the Verge, yeah. the Verge cast, where they talked about how most DSLRs have zoom lenses, and that's what we're trying to give people. But most DSLRs are different than a smartphone. A DSLR is purchased by, for the most part, a professional who is trying to do a business taking pictures of people who are posing for them or taking pictures of street photography, and they're trying to get a specific aesthetic. A random person buying a smartphone is trying to take a picture of what's around them. And for the most part, that's a person, but they're also trying to capture the scene around that person because, hey, we went on vacation and we're, at, you know, in front of, you know, we're at Yellowstone National Park and there's some bison here and there's a massive field with a thousand bison and my family's in front and I want to capture all of it. And I can't do that with a zoom lens. I can capture a half of it, you know, a quarter of it or even less. And because they got the digital zoom so big or so good, why even put the 2x zoom if digital zoom is amazing why yeah. do you need a 2x zoom sensor i mean you're, you're getting f of a 2.4 lens that's super slow and a one micron pixel array that's 16 megapixels it's, it's a horrible almost, sensor it's, it's a crap camera and you're getting incredible performance and, and i want to say like this is the next thing we're going to talk about i am wow like this camera holy crap but here's the thing we're going back to what i said earlier 7.99 i expect three cameras at that price mm -hmm. if you're gonna it's not a matter of one or the other google it's a matter it's, of it's price all three if, if that phone was 6.99 with 128 gigs of storage for the big one then i would be like okay maybe two cameras and 5.99 for the small one i'd be like maybe two cameras is fine you're google you're paying the tax for the google experience that's what you're buying i get it and then maybe it would have been the ultra wide and the regular but but no they went for a telephoto wah, wah, wah. and then they went for the two only for an insane price that's not competitive and this is exactly the issue right i'm like oh i'm so frustrated with them at the same time the camera is so freaking good i thought for sure that the iphone had stolen the throne this year but now i'm having second thoughts yeah i mean i you wrote about this I, I wrote about it. I did a video, a camera comparison between the iPhone 11 Pro and the Pixel 4. And in my review, I the title of my review was, you know, Pixel 4 review rec reclaiming the throne because the iPhone 11 Pro beat out the Pixel 3 hands down when it came to camera performance. And people commented on my reviews like you got this so wrong the, the iphone clearly won this and that and my response was wait till tomorrow i'm publishing my camera comparison side by side photos with both devices google nailed dynamic range oh my god it's so good oh so good like it's, and they if you're a photographer this is so good when compared to the iphone the iphone's pictures are brighter and people immediately gravitate towards brighter images for the most part. But when you look at those brighter images, it has all the highlights completely blown out while the pixel is a slightly darker image, which you can brighten up later if you want to, but it keeps all the highlights and all of their details from blowing out, which is incredible, while also revealing more detail in the shadows. It, oh, and then the, the shadows white balance. in this thing are blowing my mind. It's like I feel like I'm using a full frame sensor on yeah, a DSLR. Exactly. Like it's in that two slider adjustment in the camera for the HDR plus. Oh mm -hmm. my god, this is it's like uh, it's dream come true. Like I do not know how to explain this to you, listeners. It is 
it is this is another revolution forward in terms of computational photography that and the the astronomy mode or whatever it's called astrophotography um, you know uh, yeah and the night side is better and portraits are slightly better it's it's like just it's just so good it's just so good and so we're not here to bash google on this phone but that's why we're so frustrated or oh, i am at least i don't know about nick but i'm frustrated because like i feel like this should be my phone my daily driver again and i might not do that this year and i'm going to talk about why in a second when we talk about the uh, face id and the, the fingerprint lack of fingerprint and the whole issue around that that's a showstopper for me but the camera, holy crap, the camera, it's redeeming itself. The more I'm using it, Nick, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, bring it to daddy, you know? So one of the features of the camera that I really enjoy so far, and and today I actually just published a camera comparison between the Pixel 4 and last year's Pixel 3, is white balance now is done automatically. They're using their computational photography for white balance, just as they did with night sight. So for those who didn't know, night sight was a series of long exposures that they would stitch together to brighten up the scene. But then for white balance, because it's really hard to nail it when you're doing long exposures, they were using computational photography saying, hey, this is a sky. This is what the white balance should be. This is an object. This is what the white balance should be. And using that information by object recognition to paint in the correct white balance rather than using just the light from the scene. Now they're using that all the time with the standard HDR plus setting whenever you're taking pictures. And the results are incredible, especially when compared to the iPhone, which is usually a little bit warm. Those side-by-side -side comparisons between the iPhone 11 Pro and the Pixel 4, it's night and day. Like I was taking a picture in my daughter's room and she has a blue carpet uh, on her floor and oh, it was kind of rough. a it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of a cloudy day uh so the light was a little bit you know muted and everything but on the iphone the carpet looked gray just wow. because of how they warm up the picture with their their white balance and the pixels was a little bit darker than what it should it, it took it a little bit further into the blue realm but the carpet is blue it's not gray and the iphone clearly missed it while the Pixel 4 got it um, and things like that. So when they're when it's using that computational photography for the white balance, it just makes it a lot better. It's not just saying this is what I think it's going to be. It's saying we're recognizing these objects. This is what the white balance needs to be for these objects and corrects it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's, it's hard to explain this camera until you start using it. Um, it, it is, we're talking about, you know how the iPhone 11 kind of blew away the 3XL, but it blew away such a small thing. They were both so close and so good, right? And mm -hmm. then the same thing happened again. The 4XL, or sorry, the 4, is blowing away just a little, the, the iPhone 11. But it's not by much, but it's, it's significant enough that if you are uh, an imaging person, you'll notice. For the average person, I actually think all three of these phones are great. Uh, you know, you could use a 3XL still. Uh, it's a pretty damn solid phone in terms of imaging. But it's just like, you, there's definitely some improvements, and it's definitely not about the hardware. We know that, because this hardware is very meh. This is about it's the very software. Meh, and the fact that the Pixel 3a does such a great job it shows it's right definitely and this not is the other hardware. thing about the pricing we're going to again talk about that at the very end but it's like 399 for a 3a why would you spend 799 again why yeah you know? i don't know i mean i understand why i'm just saying like 
you get 90% of that experience. Why would you bother spending that extra, what, $300 more? No, four, is it $400 more? $799 to $399 is $400 more for double the price for basically 90% of experience with 10% less experience. Like, no, why would you? It's stupid at this point, right? So I don't know. The camera is just amazing. Uh, I, w I will link to your uh, comparison article and I want you, you know, I want people who are paying attention here to, to go check out Nick's work. It's really good stuff. Uh, there's lots of comparisons out there. Lots of people taking photos. I've been posting a lot of my photos on Instagram today. I still haven't taken a lot of photos with the phone, like where I feel really proud of showing them off. But there are a few things in there that you can see right now that are gems. Uh, already for the little bit of time I've actually tried to shoot with it. So I've snapped um, over 500 pictures so far. What have you been doing? Yeah, I've been busy with other <laughs> stuff, unfortunately. Um, no, I hear you, Nick. I fail. Um, so moving on to the next thing that I think is, for me, the reason I don't think I can make this a daily driver, at least not immediately, um, and that's why they're both in my pocket, 3XL and 4 right now, 4XL, is that, um, and this has blown my mind. I did not know this until Daniel Bader told me on the podcast last week because I hadn't set up my phone yet because I was still trying to do my unboxing video and I hadn't unboxed the phone yet. He said, oh, you won't be able to use any of your banking apps because they won't even notice that there is a, uh, a face ID sensor. They will report that there's no fingerprint sensor and they won't work. And I'm like, how the hell is that possible? Like Apple made that transition like perfectly, right? You, you went from a non-face ID phone with a fingerprint reader to a face ID phone with the, the 3D scanner. And all of a sudden, all your apps that needed a finger, like some sort of authentication, biosensing authentication, biometric would work right it was seamless now you're going to say it they're was. highly integrated vertically and everything it's apple they pay attention to this stuff but i cannot believe that google failed that so do you want to explain to my audience why this what's going on and why this matters well honestly the i i think your point of the transition that apple made versus this transition that google is trying to make is clearly comes down to markets of scale Apple may not sell as many iPhones as you know overall Android phones, but when it comes to, hey, we're going to launch a flagship device, this is going to sell 100 million units versus Google selling a flagship device that's going to sell, I don't know, maybe 10 million units, not even. People notice the difference. So when Apple says, we are launching this, everybody gets on board. Google says, we're launching this. People are like, eh. Who cares? Right. And so I, I think that's the main issue that we're running into right now. Google just doesn't have the market share in order to demand, you know, banking uh, applications to update in time. Um, they will be coming. Uh, I've yes. We've seen some things that, you know, banks are saying, hey, the face unlock, secure face unlock is going to be updated soon. We don't know when. Um but who knows? I mean, it could be a miscommunication part from Google's standpoint as to, you know, Apple might have given a heads up to a lot of their, you know, banking partners months in advance uh, with APIs and stuff yeah. like that, because they knew about it with with the previous version of iOS that was announced that these things were coming. But Google really didn't put out feelers saying, hey, this is going to happen. Let's make sure you get updated so that this works right out of the gate. Yeah. So 
I mean, just to, to give you some idea, if you're like just the average person listening or using a phone, I know that none of you are average. You're all super phone fans here. But the point is that, you know, right now, if I want to use my bank apps, even my Tesla app, which doesn't require a password for me to use my car, but does require me a password to me, a password change settings and stuff. Um, it uh, right now I use my fingerprint for that. Like I use my fingerprint to log into my bank accounts or to my PayPal or to, you know, if I want to send square cash or Venmo, right? I use my fingerprint for all that. It's way more convenient. This is what makes mobile life, mobile life. You can be in line at the freaking, you know, wherever it is. In my case, oftentimes in line boarding an airplane and I can do some banking very quickly just on the spot. Oh, I forgot to pay this bill. Let's do it now. That kind of stuff, right? Although most of my bills are auto-pay. But the point is that now I have to literally type in a password because the app thinks my phone doesn't have any kind of biometric identification. It doesn't see that the system has a 3D face ID that's secure. It doesn't even register on the app. So it doesn't give me the option for fingerprint uh, login at all because there's no fingerprint reader. So again, for $7.99 Google, why didn't you put in an in-display fingerprint reader as a second solution for this interim time since you knew that the developers are going to be a little slower than with other platforms, right? AKA the Apple iOS platform, right? You know, honestly, though, I I do not like in-display fingerprint sensors. If Neither they were do I. Put but one, put it on the back because it's a yeah, better Yeah, it would have been cheaper. It would be nice to have it without being uh, an indent, like some sort of like little dot you tap. Right or under under the Google logo, put the, under the Google logo, and put the yeah, Google the logo higher up. Yeah, totally, yeah. it would have been great. The point is, they could have done something to hold us over, or they could have worked as Apple did with the developers early on, and mm-hmm. they said, "Ah, whatever, we're going to do what we want to do." And then right now, there's like I think one of the password managers supports it, and like a couple of other apps, and that's it. And yeah, my question pos- is, does Google Pay support it? Yes. Google okay, Pay is the flagship app that supports this. And I've <laughs> that's paid, the only one. That's the only one on my phone that I can use right now, which is exactly why I can't make this my daily driver. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I can't. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. I'm honestly thinking of switching to a OnePlus 7T or this new McLaren OnePlus 7T Pro 5G for Timo, since I'm a Timo customer, even though I'm not in 5G markets, I travel enough that hopefully I'll hit some 5G at some point soon. Um, I wouldn't buy a one 5G phone if I were you listeners, but at the same time, if you get one as a review unit, why not, right? Um, so that is a big, big problem. It is a problem, but I, I think one thing that needs to be stated is that the face unlock actually works really good. And oh, it's fantastic. The best experience on an Android device that I've had so far. And I love- It's faster than the simply, iPhone. Simply love the haptic feedback you get when it unlocks you well the haptics on this phone are top notch they're even better than notch. the 3xl was it's but you're you're holding your phone in your hand and you just have it at your side and you pull it up to your face and, and it gets it gets halfway up your torso and pointed towards your face and it just like that millisecond of that haptic feedback saying boom i'm unlocked you're like oh yeah that's a good feeling yeah it is so fast it's faster than the iphone 11 i think yeah i, I haven't compared side by side but um you it's it, it's it's incredible. I mean, I I don't care if it's slower than the iPhone 11. It's it's a great experience. And honestly, I think more Android devices should be using secure Absolutely. face unlock. I I honestly I 
I thought I was going to miss the fingerprint sensor for the ability to unlock the phone when I want, right? You you have the option. That's not I'm a going, problem. It's not a problem. I'm going to unlock. I'm not going to unlock. You have the settings options of, you know, jumping directly back into the home screen when face unlock recognizes you or keep you on the lock, the lock screen. screen. Yeah, yeah. So you can do whatever you want from that perspective, which it it works. I love it. I love it. And I think more devices should have it. I agree. And I'm not wanting to make sure that everybody who's listening understands that I have no issues with face ID and three-dimensional scanning of your face as a secure biometric system. It's reliable. It works. I don't have any issue with that. My issue is the fact that I can't use my banking apps in the interim. Like there's this period yeah. of time where I can't come, use this phone. I'm hoping it's not more than six months, though, because well, that's going to be the a The deadline, there is a deadline for developers. It's January 20th. However, we know this is never going to happen because Android developers don't give a damn, and they don't have to, right? Do you really think that Bank of America is going to care? No. Exactly. Not, so we're not done. Unless, not unless Samsung releases a device that with secure face unlock. Exactly. I mean, that's it's the only thing gonna that's going to move the needle. Totally. And that's the problem. So... Ugh, this is issue. This is bothering me so much right now. Anyway, um, but let's move to the last thing, which is the value issue. I think um, there's a few little things out we can talk about real quick. I'm just going to give like rapid thoughts and you can maybe give rapid thoughts because we should switch to other topics. Yep. But my rapid thoughts are Solia is cool because it senses that you're about to want to unlock the phone and it's ready for you, which helps that really fast face unlock. But it's completely uncool because those gestures are a total gimmick. Correct. Okay, <laughs> we're doing yes and no. All right, so we're on the same Great. page. I mean, honestly, Soli, the the demos that we've seen with Soli on just Soli itself are incredible. I just think the technology is not, not there. Yeah. I don't think they're ready yet to bring it. But from what I've heard, we should be seeing updates to enable more things going forward. So stay right. tuned. I, I I I'm hoping it's not six months away just like last year's night site came what was it a month and a half later yeah maybe we're gonna get some solely updates soon all right the next thing was we talk about performance being bonkers and another thing that makes performance particularly bonkers is the on device like offline you don't have to be you don't have you can be in airplane mode um a Google Assistant voice recognition and that voice recorder that transcribes things in real time, which you're using right now to do a backup of your own recording for this show, which is incredible. I am. Um, this, all that stuff is, makes the phone so much more responsive and more, more like, you know, the computer in Star Trek ever than ever before, right? Yeah, I mean, launching Google Assistant and watching it transcribe on the screen as you're talking and then giving you a response right away, especially if it's an on-device command, like, you know, turn on the flashlight or, you know, change the song, things like that. Uh, it makes Google Assistant that much better because it's the, the, issue, the issue with Google Assistant has always been the half a second that you have to wait for it to go to the cloud and back in order to process those commands. And now it's instantaneous on the device whenever it can. So that's, that's incredible. It's amazing. Um, and then the value proposition, we've kind of touched on it a few times, but this is my big issue is that I, I feel that this phone at 799 should have at least eight gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of storage, and a third um, ultra wide camera. I'm okay with everything else, but these are the three things that at that price point would appease me and make me not be so angry and mad about this phone. And if they couldn't do that, if they 
gave us the phone they gave us in terms of hardware with its limitations. And of course, a bigger battery. Yeah, that should have said that. But those four things, bigger battery, ultra wide, more RAM and more storage, more base storage for the base price. If that phone was $599 for the small one, $699 for the big one, I'd be like, okay, maybe I'm willing to look the other way on these issues. But right now, like who's going to buy this phone at that price? Wait for the sales. Yeah. Uh, for me, the issue with the value here, yes, you should be getting a lot more for your money at that price point. But for me, the main thing, the detractor is something that they simply omitted. And that's the free full resolution oh, yeah. backups right. to Google Photos. If you price it out to say three years is what you got on the Pixel 3 of full resolution backups saying, let's say you want a terabyte of storage on Google Drive, that would cost you over $350 to $400 over the course of three years. That's value that they've detracted by leaving the price the same as what they were last year. So hardware is the same. We're just removing $400 of value from you. And for me, someone who takes an incredible amount of pictures and videos, my family and, uh, you know, going on vacations, things like that. That's the biggest issue because that was the core part of the pixel experience. This device is meant to take pictures and we're going to give you unlimited storage so that you can look at the amazingness of what those pictures are. You can't do that anymore. You're right. And then Related to that, there was like the six gigs of RAM is going to be very old in two years, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, people on this show are not going to keep the phones that long, but still. no, right? So, I mean, I still think that this is this is there's definitely a value proposition uh, misunderstanding here. Yes, <laughs> and I mean, and if this, it was a hundred dollars more, I don't think we would be griping as much, or a hundred dollars less, not less, more, exactly less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, if, if it had included that, that storage, you know, um, it just feels like going backwards in, in, in every does. way. And, and I just don't understand like where Google's coming from on this. Anyway, um, this is basically our pixel four and four XL review folks. And now we have other topics. So yeah. What, any final quick thoughts? Uh, final thoughts on the pixel four. I, I still recommend it if photography is the main thing that you're going to be using it for or updates or if you're like you want zero day updates on everything yeah but there's a couple other devices that have been delivering that or close to it so true there's there's more options on that front for for me it's if you're a photographer and you want a a, a tool that will serve you well in that sphere this is the phone for you especially Indeed. if you're on android Indeed, that that night sight astro astronomy, whatever it's called, astro wizardry, it's amazing, and the zoom is incredible for two times zoom, like optical zoom. The results of the super zoom are incredible. All right, so elephant in the room is obviously one plus here, right? That's one of the big elephants in the room. Um, and surprise, surprise, there's news from one plus today. I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, one plus seventy pro. Uh, McLaren edition with 5G is coming to T-Mobile. That's the news for today. That kind of blew me away, especially after they were so adamant last, you know, when was it? Last week? <laughs> yeah. That there was not going to be a OnePlus 7T Pro in the US and that it would never, and none of them would have 5G. You know, are they I, messing I think, with us? Do you think I think they OnePlus are. OnePlus I mean, is just effing with us? 
you know the regular PR spiel, yes, right? We have nothing to say. We know this device. This device is not coming when they make a slight tweak to it and give it a different model number in the software, but it's the same device coming off of the, pro- the production line. I, I don't know. At this point, though, I, I think this is great for consumers. I mean... Yes. It, yes. The the back and forth of it's coming, it's not coming. Who who knows what? We don't know the price and availability though. So just be aware that you know right now it's a hundred dollars yeah. more for the McLaren edition, hundred pounds or whatever, hundred euros more. Hundred euros more for for the McLaren edition. Than Which the usually translates into about a hundred and twenty dollars yeah. more U.S. I mean, also um, I would even say translates just into a hundred because U.S. is generally cheaper overall, right? Yeah, but yeah. so. While this is great news, honestly, just go buy the 7T. It's just yeah, as the good. The 7T is incredible. And this is if you want save... like the Royce Royce. Like if you want, yeah, if you like, have money to spend. Like I'm honestly thinking that if if Eric at OnePlus, and if you're listening, Eric, <laughs> please, please humor me here. If he sends me a OnePlus 7T Pro McLaren Edition with 5G review unit that I can use on T-Mobile since I'm a T-Mobile customer. I might switch to that as my daily for the first time move away from Pixel because I get everything I want there, everything I want. And I can get the Gcam port in a month or two when it happens, you know? Well, and I think they already have the Gcam port. Yeah, no, but the, the current Gcam port, not the old yeah, Gcam port. Yeah, oh, the Pixel the 4 Pixel 4 Gcam port. Yeah, they probably got that on XDA already. Go check it uh, out. That's true. XDA has everything. Anyway, so there you go. Yeah, and honestly, I think this is going to be a great device for T-Mobile. I hate to see exclusives, though. That's that's my only thing. Well, you know, that's the thing with uh, the carriers in the U.S. and and OnePlus is playing that game now. They started playing that game when they crippled the OnePlus 6T by giving it a single SIM tray and locking it. And well, who knows what else they did to it? I can't remember, but you know what I'm saying. It's they added the Google feed to it, which was a positive. Oh yeah, that thing. was a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's always one no, of but, my gripes. And but my tie reviews, in, yeah. to tie in this though, back to the Pixel Four, we didn't mention it. The Four is available on all four major U.S. Oh, yeah. carriers. That is a big deal. Which will make it the best-selling Pixel smartphone to date, even though everyone's trashing on the phone. It's going to be available in stores, and people are just going to wander in, and there's going to be a couple million that will just buy it because it's on the so, retail display. Instead of five people buying it now, it's going to be 20 people. Yay. Uh, uh, but that, that's a four, four X increase, right? It's totally, it's totally legit. It's totally legit. Uh, okay. Uh, next phone, <laughs> because really these are news items. Next phone is the LG G8 X dual screen. It's coming to the US on AT&T on November 1st. So that's really all I have to say. I mean, we saw that phone at IFA and it's finally happening with a carrier. Of course, AT&T is going to trash it by putting a bloatware out the kazoo on it and have oh, that course. stupid 5G evolution logo uh, indicator on when you're on 4G LT+. I'm Ugh, excited I for this phone, though. I hate them for that. I hate I'm them ex- for that. This phone, I got to play with it at IFA for a little bit, and it is a two-screen phone with a secondary screen for the case that folds up. It feels like, I don't know, like the Nintendo DS that doesn't feel like crap. So and is it like the Axon M, but done right? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's it, it's kind of... it. I don't know. You could compare it to the uh, the new Microsoft phone that was announced a couple of weeks ago. 
with the two two displays, except this one you can actually take one display off if you don't want to yeah, carry it around Yeah, if you want to be you. lighter, you can remove it, which is really yeah. cool. Uh, but the, the phone comes with the case with the display, so it comes together. You don't have to, not like the, I think it was, what was the other one that they launched earlier the this year? The V50, where you can buy it as an add-on. This comes with it, which is a good thing because I don't think anybody bought the add-on. Absolutely correct. So look, look forward to that. I should have some content on my YouTube channel about this very soon. I can't say more than that, but that's that's basically keep an eye out for that. You know that my G8 review was on Geekspin. You should go check it out. The G8X is just a G8 on slightly on steroids and now has a dual screen option through a case uh, that's highly integrated with it and basically gives you like a similar to Galaxy Fold experience, but without actually a folding display, right? So One that be won't break on you. Exactly. Should be interesting. Uh, the other big news of this past week, um, I'm kind of going in reverse chronological order. We're talking about the most recent news, like today's news with the OnePlus and yesterday's news was the G8X. And then uh, two or three days ago, Moto, well, CNET got an invite from Moto for an event in LA on November 30th. And it looked like the way Engadget was reporting about this, it looked like Engadget hadn't received the invite yet. Now they might by now. Um, all I know is that I did a bit of poking around. I contacted Moto in-house PR and Moto um, agency PR. And, and I know that uh, other bloggers and, and journalists and YouTubers also reached out. And a lot of us are not invited is all I'm going to say. Uh, and I'm not saying that because I'm, you know, trying to be petty about it. I, I am disappointed. I will be honest. Moto should have invited me, should have invited Nick, should have invited other people. But I feel like... It's a, something big, obviously, that they specifically chose a smaller venue with a smaller number of guests for. And it's very, very clear it's going to be that Razer rebirth as a folding phone and that they want to focus on lifestyle and potentially uh, YouTubers, influencers more than tech media for this. Is that your take too? Yeah, I mean, from what we've seen so far, it looks... I would say 95% sure that's what it's going to be. If anyone's seen the leaks, this is going to be the Razer phone or the rebirth of the Razer phone as a foldable display device. So rather than going the Samsung route of having a foldable display that becomes a tablet, larger, a tablet, you get a foldable display that becomes smaller into a clamshell device, which honestly I am thrilled about i've been i'm super excited about this thing i think you know gonna I, be I don't really care cool. if this i i haven't been excited about foldable devices i've played with the galaxy fold i was within the vicinity of the mate mate i played with both yeah and i i like the design of the mate x a little bit more just because aesthetically it it's looks sleeker. different yeah. i don't know how it's going to hold up in day-to-day -day use we know Oof. the fold is extremely fragile so just be warned these devices can break but this razor with the foldable display on the inside and a small tiny display on the outside and you know a front-facing camera to take selfies things like that it it brings us back to an era of when Phones, phones were small lived well phones lived in your pocket like they didn't live in your hand or on your desk or anything like that they lived in your pocket because that you carried it with you and you brought it out when you needed it and you put it back nowadays they're just out all the time this is going to bring us back to when phones are small and they belong away and not be the center of your life anymore and <laughs> that sounds crazy for somebody who reviews phones for a living put your phone away and don't use it but <laughs> I, I i'm excited about that 
Yeah, no, I'm excited too. Um, very briefly, I'm just going to leave the link in the show notes uh, because this is kind of old now. It actually predates uh, the last podcast. Uh, there's also been a leak on the Moto G8. We just got the Moto G7 like three or four months ago. I reviewed it for Geek Spin. Check it out. Um, uh, but now we have a G8 coming. Uh, it's actually a G8 Plus leak. So I'll put that as an Engadget link. Um, I don't really have much to say, but I want to kind of piggyback on your Huawei Mate X comment by saying that the phone is finally launching it's with a caveat. Time. It's launching on November 15th. It's launching in China only for now. It's launching with a Kirin 980, which is last year's chip. And there's already a rumors, or at least maybe not even rumors. Uh, Huawei seems to indicate they're going to have a slightly revised version of that Mate X uh, in the spring with the Kirin 990. It could maybe be the Mate X2 at that point, for all we know, with even improved display folding tech. But it's it's happening, it's real. We might have more now than, in within a few weeks, we might have more than one folding phone out there. Well, I think there's two, right? technically, right? There's two. With that oh, other well, one, that, that was... would be the Mate, the Mate X, and then the Razer, and then the Fold would be the well, three. Well, there's that one that was announced at CES. Oh, there's CES. the Royal. The, the Royal, Royal doesn't count because it, it's China it counts. only. And it's you can still buy it. Made. This is going to be China only. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's come. we know it's going to come eventually globally. Yeah. And hopefully the whole brouhaha with the Huawei ban will be resolved by then because it's a nightmare. By the Fingers way, as a quick crossed. update, for those of you who have followed for the last two or three weeks I've been talking about it, I finally got GMS on the Honor 9X Pro. And I will mention and explain how I did it with because all the workarounds are gone, but I found a workaround, another one. And I will explain in my Android Police article when it's finally published. I'm still working on it. It's a lot of work, that article. So that's that's it. Um, that's Be sure it to share the, the details with me because I got the device. I will. I will. I will do it offline. Um, so the, the Mate X is coming finally. Uh, a couple of more items before we wrap up. Uh, there's been a lot of issues. Have you been following these issues about the in-display fingerprint sensor on the I Samsung have. S10 and Note 10? The ultrasonic one from Qualcomm apparently is uh, borked uh, if Acting you use a screensaver. No, uh, sorry, a screen protector. Yeah, so for those who didn't follow the news, someone discovered that they could unlock somebody's phone using any fingerprint, even though it should be locked to an individual's fingerprint. And the ultrasonic sensor is supposed to be more secure than the other in-screen sensors that OnePlus and other manufacturers are using. Yeah. Huawei. Uh, it, the, the resolution of it's supposed to be like four to five times higher uh, for it you know, in order to pick up. But with a screen protector on it, all of a sudden that goes out the window and it's not really clear as to if this happens when you're trying to set the fingerprint with if you do it with this screen protector on it or if this happens afterwards and it messes up with the optics yeah, it's of so it. weird right like it doesn't make any sense but there's a little bit of fallout here with it too like as you were saying with the pixel 4 not being able to use secure authentication with banking applications banking applications are now pulling back support for the Samsung devices saying these devices wow. are no longer compatible because of this issue wow. because it's essentially unsecure. So now all of Samsung's Galaxy 10 devices are losing authentication abilities with banking applications. 
Oh, Jesus. What a nightmare. So it's it's the reverse. They had it, and now they're losing it because it's not secure anymore. And I bet you so. the banks are going to be way faster at removing that stuff than adding it to the Pixel 4. <laughs> oh, of course they are. Oh. Well, no. So here's the thing. If they're updating their application or you know going in and changing which devices are compatible, I mean, that's something that you simply do through the Google Play Store. And you know the next time the app update rolls out, that happens. But right. if they're doing that anyways, they'll be like, eh, I guess we can maybe add face authentication to the application since we're updating it updating it anyways right who knows don't count Wish, on it wishful it's thinking banks. we're talking about banks they're behind uh <laughs> you're an htc guy i, I was an htc girl and htc is still close to my heart i actually published a tweet uh of uh photos of the pixel 4 that i took at the event last week and i captioned it check out the new htc desire pixel hey it was joke. made by the htc team i know so. that's what i'm saying you get it nope very few people got the joke i don't I understand know. why and it looks like a desire i don't think people even remember what the desires look like anyway but what do you take on this exodus uh Bitcoin, whatever, a crypto phone that they've been talking about. And now there's one, a new one, the 1S. What is this? There's a new cheap version of the phone. So for those who don't know, HTC made a version of the HTC U11 Plus from a year ago or a year, no, a year and a half ago. It's a, a while high, ago. A high-end phone with specific cryptocurrency capabilities built in so that you could do cryptocurrency exchanges and stuff like that through the device. And uh, they even made it so that you could buy the phone through HTC with Bitcoin to, to make it tie in completely. Uh, but the new Exodus one is a cheaper version. It's not an $800 device. I think this is a 350 euro device low end specs all the way around, but this will actually allow you to authenticate uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency transactions directly on the device, not needing any internet connections or anything like that. The software does everything. They recommend making sure your phone is plugged in while you're doing this, because I imagine it's going to take a while and it's going to use that processor as much as it can. Uh, and then it also has the capability of holding an entire Bitcoin ledger on a micro SD card, which... Cool. I think the the way it works right now, I think they they need over, uh, I think it was over 200 gigabytes of storage. Wow. So you can't do it on the device because the device only has, I think, 64 gigabytes of storage, but it needs right. for the whole entire Bitcoin ledger, it can hold that on a micro SD card, which I, is pretty good. So if you're into cryptocurrency, definitely check it out. They're saying all of these features will come to the HTC Exodus uh, the flagship phone, yeah. which has a lot better specs, but of course it could be three to five months before that happens. Well, there you have it from the horse's mouth, Mr. HTC himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've talked about HTC. Or there, you go. There hasn't That's been why I threw it in there. I threw about. it in there because I was like, oh, Nick's going to be happy. Uh, Nick, do you want to tell people on the internets, the listeners, the audience, where they can find you on the internets? On the internets, well, there's there's a lot of places. If you want to follow me personally, uh, I am at Nick M. Gray on Instagram, Twitter, used to be Facebook. No, not Facebook. I took that away. No one cares about Facebook anymore. Uh, but you can find all of my work about uh, Android devices and my reviews on fandroid.com and also youtube.com slash fandroid for all the video content as well. There you go, folks. So don't forget to 
follow Nick on Twitter and listen and watch the videos that Nick makes and the YouTube channel. And of course, Fandroid. Check it out. You know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankgirl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book Tankgirl without the vowels. If you go to Twitter, that's where at Tankgirl exists. And also if you go to Instagram, that's where at Tankgirl exists. Both are the same person. That's me. And you can get some, you know, commentary, sometimes a little crazy commentary, but also some photos of phones and photos taken with phones. But also I have a YouTube channel. Uh, the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Miriam That's my full name spelled out without a space. If you want to know how to spell it, just go to my Twitter and you'll see the name there. So just put it in the youtube.com URL. And it's a lot of videos that kind of complement this show. So when we talk about the Pixel 4 for Excel, you can watch a video hands-on and unboxing about the phones in my channel. And just like Nick has a lot of great videos that go along with Android. So check out the YouTube channel, subscribe, tell your friend, you know, click the little notification icon, comment in the comments, all that good stuff. Please spread the word. And of course, the podcast is at mobiletechpodcast.com. You should subscribe if you just happen to land on here. I'm also on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere. So search for Mobile Tech Podcasts. And if you're old school and you like RSS, there's an RSS feed at mobiletechpodcast.com. Uh, if you want to comment on the podcast, you can't in the actual web. So just do it on Twitter. Just ping me on Twitter and let's talk about what your thoughts are about whatever show we're talking about. Um, and then I want to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Audible.com is the platform for audiobooks. Uh, they're pretty awesome. If you, uh, maybe are driving a delivery vehicle all day or something, and you can't read, physically read a book for whatever reason, they're a great place to go to get your bookworm satisfied. And, uh, yeah, uh, I like the fact that a lot of the books are read by the authors, that they have an incredibly great selection and that they've been, you know, helping the podcast for a while now. So there's a special deal. If you go in the show notes below, you'll see there's a link where if you click through, you'll get 30 days for free. That's not that unusual. But the cool thing is that if you buy a book, or more, you can keep them, which is nice. And then the other thing is that you don't have to stay at the end, basically, but it supports the podcast. So you're going to help out the podcast no matter what. If you're not already an Audible customer, I suggest you go and check it out. The link is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. It's in the show description as well. So please click through and support the show. We really appreciate it. And Nick, thanks so much for being on the show again. My pleasure. Yes, we'll have you on some other time, probably when some HTC news happens. You never know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's never going to happen. Oh, come on. <laughs> hey, the, HTC does have a new CEO, so we, we might see something different coming out from them. You never know. In any case, stay tuned for next week. We'll have another show. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.